Hello and welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. My name is Alex Morgan. I'm here with Jamin Moore after the San Jose Earthquakes 2-0 loss to the Portland Timbers uh, at Providence Park. Jamin Moore, you were there live to take in the atmosphere. Uh, what are your takeaways from this one? Walk us through what you saw. Well, the whole thing just felt started off by feeling a bit a bit strange. The, whole, the uh, process around the League's Cup feels more like a CONCACAF match and there's a lot of confusion about, one, when was the game going to start? Because it, there was an FS1 broadcast, and some people thought it was going to start at 7.30. Some people thought it would start more 7.08. 7.08 was right. Uh, the national anthem was sung with no one else on the pitch. Then the players walked out. Then there was a speech by a player from each team, which I could not even hear, um, but I think was telling the fans to make sure that they behave themselves. And uh, and then we started playing soccer and the soccer from the earthquake side was good. It was good to start the game. And then it wasn't good, namely once uh, Jack Skane uh, left the field with an injury. And it, in the middle, about the middle of the second half, you know, the quakes kind of picked it back up again. But once Christian Espinoza, you know, had to leave with maybe a, a, a knock uh, or maybe as a precautionary measure, uh, it went bad again. And so, you know, it, it just felt like. These goals kind of happened in, you know, when the Quakes were transitioning from, you know, who they had on the pitch into a new setup. And then all of a sudden things went bad. Um, there were good moments, unfortunately, just really not goal dangerous. Um, and you definitely felt you wanting to see more shots, you know, more danger uh, in the box tonight and uh, didn't really didn't really get that. Well, I was worried, Jamin, that it wouldn't feel like a CONCACAF game. Because it was two MLS teams playing against each other, the Quakes wouldn't get to experience the full, you know, League's Cup uh, offer that, that, that Major League Soccer is making. But I'm glad that there were some CONCACAF uh, vibes in the, the pre-match uh, 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 situation at Providence Park. Hopefully uh, next weekend when the San Jose Earthquakes play Tigres uh, at home at PayPal Park, uh, we'll be able to experience some more of that live in San Jose. With that said, more then... more weirdness coming. By the way, the press conference tonight is has to be done on Zoom. Uh, I believe we're going to do our best to bring that to everyone. Uh, we're we've been playing with it, and uh, we think we can we can bring that press conference. But we're only going to get Lucci, and then you know the press conference will continue, and then it'll be Gio Savarisi the coach of the Portland Timbers, the only way to talk to players is through kind of a mixed zone, uh, another CONCACAF thing. And uh, because we're here uh, and not down there, um, we will not be able to, to share the mixed zone, but we'll look forward to getting some, some potential quotes after the game. And I, in my, my ear this whole time, Jamin, have been hearing the Portland Timbers press person uh, announcing uh, the sequence of events there at, at Providence Park. So, yeah, we're getting the, the, the CONCACAF, the full CONCACAF experience here behind the scenes. Uh, but it did feel like there were some weird things going on uh, throughout the game, Jamin. A couple of injuries, Jack Skain going down, as you mentioned, Christian Espinosa going down. Maybe this is just regular run of business in in portland maybe 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 this is what they're used to every week with that turf is that is that right jamin 
Turf, turf, the turf monster struck the quakes three times tonight. Jeremy Abobasi also getting looked a bit almost like he hyperextended a knee, but stayed in the game. Um, I think maybe less effective uh, than, than usual um, as a result. And, uh, you know, I think one of the key questions, normally if this was a league game, you'd be probably asking all the tactical questions and things like that. And, but I, I think tonight what's kind of important is I, it's important to know, you know, how is Christian Espinoza doing? How is Jeremy Bobasi doing? And, and how is Jack, Jack, Jack Skane looking? Because quite honestly, this attack has really looked potent when Jack Skane has been in it. And without him, it's looked a lot less potent. Um, you know, I think one of the differences is the way that he's able to kind of run at the back line a bit. And when Nico Shakiris came in the game, you know, there's a lot to like about Nico. But one thing he is not is kind of a straight downhill runner with the ball. Uh, he's looking to, to kind of distribute and pass. And so he just kind of stayed back deeper. Well, when you already have a double pivot and now your 10 is who's supposed to be higher, is kind of back near your double pivot. The tack, look, Jared Miabobasi was like 1v6, you know, a bunch of the times that he touched the ball, you know, in the attacking half tonight. Like there was just nothing to support him and, and really uh, nothing to kind of get that attack going once once Skane left the, left the game. This this felt like two different games to me, Jamin. There was the, the game when Jack Skane was on the field and then there was yes. the game when Jack Skane was not on the field. And when Jack it's, Skane- It's wild. We are all talking about Jack Skane in the chat as if like- number one DP has gone down and, and left the game. It, it, it's wild but what's happened it, over the last few weeks. I, it's completely reasonable to say that he was the best player on the field in that first half an hour when he was out there. 100%. Had multiple nice balls in behind. Uh, he had good runs. His energy was high. He was the one pushing the tempo. He was there on kidding chances. And uh, when he went off the field, the Quakes weren't able to do that. They weren't able – to push the ball into the final third. They weren't able to distribute the ball. They weren't able to put Portland on the back foot. It felt like he was the linchpin in that midfield. And that's a, a, a role he's had this entire month of July for the earthquake since that California Classico game where he came on and he scored a goal. Uh, you know, and now he's been the guy for them in the midfield. And we were talking, Jamin, in the uh, Quakes Epicenter patron slack, and we were looking for a, a kind of comparison, a player who plays like Jack Skane and our dear friend and, and uh, occasional Aftershock host Asher Cohn said that Jack Skane is playing like prime Landon Donovan right now, who's a <laughs> high energy number 10, who is really, uh, you know, raising the level from that number 10. And, and, and I, I kind of bought that comparison that that feels I, pretty, pretty if, apt, does it not? If, if he's healthy. You know, I would keep rolling him out there. I mean, there's a lot that Jamiro Montero is, but what he is not is what Jack Skane is. And, you know, you know, again, Jamiro is a very good player. You know, MVP, I think we all agreed of last last season, such as it was, uh, of this team. But, you know, this team is lacking that center attacking player who's going to push the back line and really kind of force them to ask questions. And it's just something that Jack Skane has done, whether he's played at the 10, whether he's played on the wing, it's something that he has been able to, to, to bring, and it was missing. As soon as he left the pitch, that was missing. And they tried to change things a bit by bringing Cade a bit more central at times uh, to, try to, 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 to try to bring that, but you know that has its own kind of knock-on effects. And so what did that do? Well, it pushed Shakiris out wide, and you push Shakiris out wide. Now it all opened up the midfield for Portland to be able to control the game better. Looks like 
they're talking about uh, maybe getting this started, Alex. I'm not quite sure here, but we're hearing, they said very shortly, uh, we'll talk to Lucia Gonzalez, it sounds like. That's what I'm hearing as well, Jamin. So I'm preparing us to go live to that. Uh, I almost feel like conference. I'm just nervous about this Zoom thing. So I don't know if you want to bring this up and we'll just go side window and that way we'll be able to know, you know, it's a little bit out of norm here, but I just, I'm, I'm just kind of nervous about it. That's right. I, we had a, a week of vacation, Jamin, and we have to brush off some of the some of the rest here. Jamin, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was what you thought of this Cade Cowell performance, because this was the first time we'd seen Cade Cowell play for the Earthquakes in a few months. Basically, he went to the U-20 World Cup with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, and played phenomenally there, was one of the best players at the tournament. Then he went almost straight to the Gold Cup uh, with the U.S. men's national team uh, and got solid minutes, scored his first, I think, goal for the, uh, the, the the senior men's national team and looked good. Now coming back to San Jose, he was slotted straight back into the, uh, the starting lineup on that left wing. He was pushing the tempo uh, on that left side. But Cade Cowell playing for the Quakes just – doesn't look like the same player playing for the national team. You see the promise, you see him getting in behind, but the end product isn't there. And, you know, even though he, he was making some nice passes and, and getting uh, on the ball in dangerous areas, uh, there was still a sense that he's not able to, to bring that, that next step, uh, which he is able to with the, the men's national team. Yeah, think, think about that, that goal uh, that he scored for the national team. What is it you saw in that goal that you did not see tonight? There's a word that is in my head. I want to see if you and I will think of the same word here. Well, this is a, 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 an interesting question, Jamin, because I think that that kind of goal is not something that we see Cade Cowell do ever for the San Jose Earthquakes. We don't see Cade Cowell playing centrally enough to be chasing those balls. We don't see him getting in behind, you know, one-on-one -on -one situations like that. Well, he had a one-on-one -on -one situation tonight. He, on the left side, though, hurt. we don't. We, we don't see him actually beating defenders and getting one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. Uh, and, and, and when he does, he's, he's not able to put them away. So I, I feel like the role he plays for the men's national team is, is very different than the role he's playing for San Jose right now, which is why it's, I feel like it's hard to make that comparison, Jamin. I'm curious what the one word you think is. Composure. When he scored that goal uh, in, uh, where he basically was able to dribble around the, the keeper, he was composed. He was under control, poise. I like that too. He had, he had that poise. He had that composure to read the situation, understand it. Tonight, he's back to just running fast at the box. And I felt like he was completely out of control in those situations. There's one time he got to the end line where he put in a left-footed cutback that was cleared out. Other than that, I felt like almost every single time he got into the box tonight, he was just like trying stuff like or he was just running so hard that, you know, he had no control over over his movements. Um, and the thing that is keeping Cade from being, I think, an elite level player and a player that we can look at and say, yes, he belongs in Europe is that poise, that that kind of you know confidence. I think those words are good words. I think it's that composure was the word I was thinking of. Those are the things that Cade really needs to, to do in order to change that, uh, that athleticism that he's got, that speed that he's got, that ability to kind of take on players 1v1 
and he had opportunities tonight. There was a lot of 1v1 on Cade where he had the chance to run, but he would get out of control. He would not have that composure, and that was what really kind of hurt him tonight. You get a composed Cade Cowell in the box, and uh, I think we would be seeing a very different set of outcomes from Cade, one of which tonight potentially could have ended up in the back of the net. And so my question then, Jamin, is is he going to achieve that growth in San Jose or is he better off going elsewhere to, to, to develop those skills and make that happen? Because we've seen him play with that composure, that poise for the U.S. men's national team, which tells me that he's capable of it, which tells me that when he's put in the right spots, when he has the, the right environment, he can get there. But we don't see that week in, week out with San Jose. Does that mean that now is the right time for him to make the jump to Europe, make the jump to the Eredivisie or a second tier European team, try his luck there and see if in that different environment and different level, he can make that next step. You know, it's a fair question. And I think uh, it looks like Lucci is uh, joining us now. So Alex, I'm going to give you the control to run it here. Okay. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us in the League's Cup 2023 post-game press conference for the San Jose Earthquakes and the Portland Timbers at Providence Park. We'd like to welcome San Jose Earthquakes head coach, Luchi Gonzalez. Uh, we will have members of the press on site, and we will be beginning with their questions before we move into Zoom questions as well. Once we wrap up the, the in-person questions, we will please be asking our Zoom participants to raise their hands. We will let you know when you are be uh, when you will be able to unmute and ask your question live to the press room. That being said, uh, let's begin here with our on-site media questions. Hi, Coach Ryan Clark with the Oregonian. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts overall on the match and and what you think ended up being some of the big differences that led to the result. Look, I I think. Uh, it's a tough sensation when when you did a lot of good things. You know, we got good pressure on the ball. We created offensive transition. I mean, we shoot, we got 20 crosses versus their five, you know, and it, to me, it showed volume, right? We got volume of it progressing the ball, playing in their half, um, attacking the box. And, and I, and I'm happy with that, that aspect, um, you know, but what's disappointing is, you know, the the last action, the, getting the shot off, right? Connecting the cross with the runner. Uh, did we have the right change of speed? Did we have the right last um, combination or unpredictability? Just is like a killer instinct that that we have all the potential to to execute, and we have, you know, and we and at home we definitely do. Uh, but away, you have to just have that extra, that extra, and and. You know, we we were we were we were lacking that. We didn't get on the score sheet, even though you know we created in terms of volume, xG shots, shots and and crosses. But we got to put the shot on target. We got to get the shot off. We need to put it away. You know, and even the shot that didn't happen, the, the few little you know Jack's touch in like his his control with that great running behind and ball behind Jabo the same. Like we just get a, that first touch right. That's going one on one with a goalkeeper, and I and I believe our guys will bury it. So. 
you know, it's, it's something that I know we, uh, we can focus on better and we can, we can train and, and I have all the belief and confidence in our group to improve that. And especially when you're playing away, like a place like this, you gotta, you gotta put away your chances. So credit to Portland, they put away theirs. I mean, their first goal was a high level goal. You cannot leave, um, you know, that, that level player open top of the box. Um, and, and, and for, and it's just a good finish. So, and then the last one was just, you know, a flick, a flick, a flick, and Portland's very good in these offensive transition moments. They have speed and verticality. So, look, credit to them. I'm very disappointed with the no call, the PK. It's a PK. It's a handball, and, and I would argue in the box, not even on the line, like in the box. And that's unacceptable. You know, the VAR, not even to let the ref go see it. That's unacceptable. That's really poor refereeing today because that's a PK. And 2-1 is a big difference because of goal differential. And that they need to get, they need to be better. It's not the, up in the on the booth and VAR is not good enough. That needs to be much better. At least let the ref go look at it and make his call. He's the ref, you know. So I, I'm really disappointed with that, and our players are disappointed with that. Um, so that you know that that's that's tough. That we gotta we gotta obviously accept that. See what happens Wednesday, and no matter what happens, we're gonna we're gonna be focused on on getting a result against Tigers. Um, and playing in front of our, our fans in our stadium and, and moving on and, and improving the things that I, that I just discussed. Right. And, you know, this result obviously makes it more difficult to advance out of the group, just given the, the points, given the goal differential. Um, how how should the group, I guess, reset its mind ahead of that Tigris game, knowing that a, a win in regulation is probably the most likely outcome to, to advance? Yeah. And it's, that's fine. As long as it's clear, we're uh, – Nothing is impossible. This is a sport that you see Champions League, um, you know, legs, first leg, second leg. Things can uh, seem like they're going away and they completely change in a game or in a moment. Uh, you see that in uh, in the leagues and, you know, championship playoffs, League One playoffs. And in England, you see these crazy, um, you know, aggregates that one was one way, one was another. I know this is a group stage. You see crazy things in the group stage as well in the World Cup. Um, you know, there's examples there. So we'll, we'll find some references. Um, we'll rest now, uh, and we'll be ready to rebuild and see what happens Wednesday. And no matter what, it's not impossible to qualify. So we're going to keep believing and we have the team to, to get it done. Yeah. Uh, Jamin, let's go ahead with your question first, please. Hey, Lucci. Uh, good to talk to you. I, uh, I'm actually in the stadium right now, but running the Aftershock show up in the press box. Um, felt like, you know, you had a really good start to the game. You know, Jack Skane, again, bringing uh, a good bit of energy for you. Very concerning that he left early and it, it did feel like there was a momentum shift after that. Can you give an update on on him uh, and what you what you know so far about his injury and and why he needed to leave early as as well as any updates on um, Ibobisi, you know looked like uh, he was uh, had a knee issue there for a bit and shook it off and kept playing but then uh, Espinoza you know leaving toward the end of the game uh, can you just provide an update on on the players and their potential availability for the Tigers game? Sure. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Jack was doing really well. Um, and he has done well consistently in the, in the games and the opportunities he's been, he's been earning. Um, so he went down, he felt something in his hamstring, couldn't continue. He's a player with speed, verticality. And so that hurt us. Right. And 
but you know, a young Nico is a different kind of profile, but he does play in that attacking mid role or eight ten role. And, and I thought he did a lot of good things in terms of possession and connecting the game um, and link play. So yeah, look, Jack, we're going to miss. Hopefully he's not out too long. Um, probably definitely out for the next, next period. Um, and hopefully he's back for, for MLS uh, when he, when he, you know, or in a, in a league cup run later on. So um, regarding Christian, Christian felt like a cramp sensations. Hopefully that's nothing serious. And then Jabo got through the game. He should be okay. Again, nothing's final. We got to connect with the medical crew and see uh, if those situations are okay. Thank you, Jamin. Uh, Alex Morgan, please go ahead and ask your question. Uh, hey, Lucci. Uh, thanks for speaking with us uh, tonight. Um, you know, after Jack Skane went off, uh, it looked like there was a little something missing in the midfield. So I'm curious, uh, you know, what your message was at halftime and how you felt about the way the team adjusted mid-game. You know, Portland started that second half really strong. We're putting you guys on the back foot. And it felt like you guys were never really able to recover that momentum that you had maybe in the, the first 20 minutes. So, you know, I, I'm curious what, you know, the decisions you were making throughout the game were and, and what you think was, was maybe missing in that second half. Well, I would say half my decisions were, were have unfortunately having to be re, like reactions to guys going down with cramp or, um, you know, some scares. And then Jack, you know, who, we're already limited with, with the sub rule for this tournament. You know, if you make a halftime sub, it counts one as, as one of your three moments for this tournament. So then we're making a first half sub. So that's not ideal. Um, but yeah, look, I said it earlier, Jack was given us verticality and he's a player that's really dangerous in the midfield between the lines and running in behind wide. He has a lot of range. Um, Nico gives you the other things that are really positive too, you know, but uh, it, you know, I, I would say we were maybe less vertical. We at half talked about Christian connecting, uh, attaching closer to the the center back Zuperich to run in behind and give problems. I thought he did do that and, and create two versus one with a capo. Um, but could, you know, we lack maybe some quality of, again, of that last action in the, in that last moment with Christian and, and a capo. Um, and then Cade, right. Cade creating isolations one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, and then trying to drive against Mosqueda, driving inside, looking for combinations. Uh, I thought Cade did some electric things. You know, we, we also spoke about him. Like if you're not going to have Jack or Nico able to run in behind, like Cade's got to have the verticality. Jabel's got to give us verticality. So, you know, I, I think we, we can balance that better. And, but look, that's what you lose when Jackson on the field in that attacking mid role. And that's the reality of it. But um I thought the effort was good by the guys and they tried to do what, what they can do best and we'll revisit what we can do better. I can do better as a coach to, to tactically set, set things up. So, so we could have been uh, more dangerous and and look them having the momentum early, the first half or second half. I agree. It didn't last longer than seven, eight, 10 minutes. I thought we got, we got control back of the game with possession and getting our volume in the attack, but yes, they were very dangerous early in the second half. We adjusted and got back into the game. Um, and look, that last goal is a, a transition moment, and it, it happens. This is a good team with speed up top, Port, uh, Portland, and and they punished us in, 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 that, in that open play, in that transition moment. Thank you, Alex. We'll be moving into our last question from John. Please go ahead and ask your question, John. Thank you. Uh, Lucci, you mentioned, as you said, you had 20 crosses, so you were giving yourselves opportunities. You did have some good chances, but as you said, especially one of the things being speed of the runs 
What do you think are some of the adjustments that you can make maybe in the final third going into the game against Monterey that that'll allow you to be more successful when you do create all of those chances? Yeah, look, video is going to help. Um, you know, uh, this is an opportunity to to just maybe not even show a lot of the buildup or the defensive shapes. It's it's a video analysis moment of like, hey, look at this volume. That's positive. Now, how do we get on the end of these? What's the decision on the ball? What are the numbers in the box like? Are we at what spaces are we attacking with what speeds? Really dissect that, get into the details, and and work on it. You know, one of our biggest values is development. And we want to every day get better. And, and this is an opportunity to get better. I think video is going to help us. And ownership too, ownership. We just came out of the locker room where we accept that we have to have stronger actions and more belief in the box and near the box, get to get shots and to get on the end of, of things that, that could ricochet. It could be a second phase, a rebound, you know, goals. Can, and that's not just front attacking players. This is on a set piece, a, a back, a center back, a, a mid. This is everybody's responsibility. It's all of us. Thank you. And with that being the last question, we want to thank coach Luchi Gonzalez for his time. Uh, shortly, we will continue with the Portland Timbers head coach. Thank you very much. We'll be back shortly. Thank you. Good night. And there you hear from uh, San Jose Earthquakes head coach uh, Luchi Gonzalez, rejoined here by Jamin Moore live from Providence Park. Jamin, we heard a couple things from Luchi Gonzalez that we haven't necessarily heard before. That was the first time I can recall Luchi Gonzalez ever berating a referee or a refereeing decision like that. Does that indicate some underlying frustration with the, the way you think this game played out? Because on the aftershock here, we don't like to talk about the refs. We know that if you're talking about the refs, that means that uh, something else is going wrong. It's a, it's a misdirection of frustration here. Is that is that what you what you felt about Luchi Gonzalez's comments? Um, sort of. So let's let's also be clear: they're not pro referees, and so he's probably a little bit more free to criticize because he doesn't have to maintain relationships with these officials, and also the chance that you know he's going to get some sort of fine by the league for criticizing officials is a bit going to so, be a bit different so you're situation. Saying this is just this is just pent up frustration that he finally gets to let loose. This is yeah, his I, one opportunity he needs to to uh, to take it. Yeah, I I think that's that's a bit of it. So, but I also think he might be picking on the wrong situation. Um I think that there was a little bit more in the Cade Cowell uh box now from my perspective, I think Cade was going down and looking for contact and I think that's probably you know, what VAR also saw. But if you're going to ask an official to go to the monitor for something, doesn't it feel like a potential dog-so situation and a potential penalty is the one that you would really be asking for? Maybe just in the moment he was a little bit, uh, you know, thinking of the of the more recent thing. But for me, of the two, I would have probably picked the Cade situation to harp on a little bit stronger. Why? Well, because, you know, if if it's a penalty and it's a dog so, then, you know, the Quakes not only have a chance to tie the game 1-1 at that point, but they can go a man up for the remaining, I think, 25, 30 minutes. You know, I can't remember exactly when that when that uh, shout happened. But, um, you know, if I'm going to pick on something, I would pick on that. I don't think it was – I don't think it was a clear penalty, but 
you know, I think that you could potentially sway an official in the moment to look at the monitor and call that a penalty and give a dog so for it. I think that's absolutely right. I I understand the yeah, he was actually, he was actually play. he was actually pulled back by the arm as well a little bit earlier in the phase, which would have been potentially more the dog so and not the penalty. That was outside the box at the time, but you clearly are going to prefer to get the penalty if you can get it. The issue here, Jamin, is that Cade Cowell is built like a bull, so nobody believes it when he gets pulled down uh, in the box like that uh, because uh, he's he's usually the one bulldozing other people. And I understand the frustration with, with that call. I don't understand the frustration with the, the, the other call because, one, I, I don't even think it's in the box. I don't think they have the angle to I, definitively that say to it's me in was, the box. That, to me, was the issue. They didn't have the right angle on that to be able to definitively – you know, overturn. And also, Jamin, that it's was not in the, clear and obvious. That was in the 92nd minute. There was no time left for the San Jose Earthquakes at that no. point to mount a comeback. That was that but was. He men- but he mentioned why. He mentioned the goal differential, and that's what he was looking for. Was hey, can we get out of here with a two-one? Because that might be very important to determining you know who goes out of the group, right? So here's the thing. I don't. I, I don't know if if you know the San Jose Earthquakes fans even even care about that goal differential anymore. This is kind of a bigger picture question that I have about this game. Is this kind of it for the League's Cup? Is it a one and done for the Earthquakes? Is it worth going to Cruz Azul with guys like Jack Scan and Christian Espinosa and Jeremy Abobasi potentially, you know, looking at nagging little muscular injuries now? Is it worth it going and, and going all out like Uchi Gonzalez said he would in this game? Or is this kind of already a knockout blow that Portland have dealt? They've defeated them 2-0. They've injured a few of their best players. And they've made it really, really hard for the San Jose Earthquakes to advance at all. Is it is it even worth it at this point trying to salvage anything from that game against Tigres next weekend? Yeah, we're, we're going to know midweek because Portland and Tigres are going to play. And that result... Is going to say a lot as to what scoreline the earthquakes would need in order to advance. And if Tigris, you know, hands them a big loss and then you go out and beat Tigris, well, maybe, right? But Portland's at, at home, technically. They are in, well, sorry, by technicality, Tigris is actually home for both games, which is a very odd thing by itself. But um, but they're playing just here a little cockacaf. It's another weird CONCACAF thingy for you. So they're playing here at Providence Park. And because of that, it does give the Timbers a bit of an edge. I think they are expecting a sellout, just like the earthquakes are. Um, And and for interesting reasons, uh, in both situations, there is kind of an expectation, I believe, that you're going to get an anti-Tigris crowd that will also show up for the game just for the pleasure of rooting against Tigris which is a great opportunity if you're the San Jose Earthquakes and you want to convert some fans, not maybe not from Liga Emekis, but also add MLS to what they're watching and come out for Earthquakes games. What better way to do it than a good showing against Tigris in front of Club America fans, in front of Chivas fans? You know, it would be a good way to be able to do that. So I do think there is a bit of like skin in this, even if the Earthquakes don't go forward you know, because, you know, it's an opportunity to be able to, to win some fans over. And, hey, look, you're not playing another game on turf. So at least you're on grass and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, injury, uh, more injury free. But it is disappointing to hear that uh, it's very clearly Jack Skane will not be available uh, for that game. And with Jamiro Montero not available at all for tonight's game, 
I think there's a fair question. If I had a second question for Lucci, probably would have asked it. What's going on with Jamiro Montero? Uh, speaking with Earthquakes PR before the game, um, actually somewhat during the game even, um, you know, they've they've been hearing as well that Montero is going to be returning, you know, imminently. And yet he is not here and he did was not in the uh, in the 20 tonight. So that's, you know, that's concerning. That's concerning that Jamiro Montero looks like he's further away, you know, to returning, particularly when you really could use him uh, in a probably what's going to be a physical game against Tigres. And so then the question, Jamin, is looking ahead to that Tigres game. Do you slot Nico Shakiris in there in the starting lineup? We know he started in big games before, but do you offer him or do you mix it up if you're Luchi Gonzalez? Do you throw Carlos Acapo in the midfield or Miguel Trauco in the midfield where we know they can they can both play? Do we try to uh, go back to the formation that he was experimenting with at the beginning of the month, a little bit of a lopsided 3-5-2 formation to allow you to get a different look and get all of your best players on the field at once? I do think that uh, that they lost a bit tonight with with going back to the four three three, but there's a reason for that, which I think is just the the players that that they're going to want out on the pitch. Like if you're trying to put out your best lineup, the four three three or really a four two three one. Let's be honest, because uh, Jackson Ewell was very clearly a, a double, in a double pivot tonight, um, and so I think I think. The, the issue is, if you just think about it a little bit, you're going to be asking either uh, Cade or you're going to be asking Christian probably to play a wingback, neither of which would would really suit either one of them all that strongly. Although I'm not highly against Espinoza as a wingback. The problem is you're just not going to get him forward quite as much. And so that's probably why you're not going to roll out a, a three, five, two. Yeah, um, you, and you and you hear what you heard what Lucci said he tried to do in the second half, which is actually what I kind of said he was trying to do in the second half, which was he tried to move Cade central and try to push the back line in a bit the way that Jack, Jack Skane was. He didn't say it, say it like Jack Skane was, but that's what he, that's what he was doing. And, uh, you know, so without running out the three, five, two, he's, he's trying to, to put some additional pressure with the second player forward and get a little bit of that, that more of that two that seemed to be so effective in the last couple of games. Well, and the other thing that he said, the other adjustment that he made at halftime was trying to get Christian Espinosa posted up on that center back one V one higher up the field. So he can counter attack and get in behind. And that's the other adjustment we see with this three, five, two is getting Christian Espinosa into more dangerous positions. He's definitely not a wing back anymore. I think we've moved past the phase where yeah. we can really consider uh, Christian Espinosa a, a viable option there. He's going to be up top on the left wing or even now drifting uh, more centrally. But the problem here, Jamin is to me, it, it feels like, Luchi Gonzalez is almost running out of options with Jamiro Montero out injured with Jack Skane out injured. If you're worried about Christian Espinosa's fitness, there's not a lot of, of room to maneuver room to experiment uh, with this starting lineup uh, anymore. And, and it makes me, you know, look at Chris Leach and look at this transfer window, which has been open now for over two weeks and, and wonder whether any movement is happening there. Because I feel like this was a, a case study. This game was a case study for why the San Jose Earthquakes need another left winger or need another number 10. Someone who can come in in that second half and raise the level and, and pick it up uh, from where Jack Skane left off. Because the Quakes didn't have that tonight. It felt like in that second half, 
They had run out of ideas. They had run out of energy. They didn't know what plan B was. They didn't know what came next, right? They were solid in the first half. I agree with Luigi Gonzalez. They had that chance creation in that first half. But that second half, I wasn't convinced at all. Portland Timbers came out strong, had three or four chances right at the beginning that they could have easily put away. And San Jose were never able to recover that momentum. They were never able to move the ball forward through the middle. Uh, they, they had a couple of chances where they kind of got lucky in behind, but it didn't really feel like they were able to work the ball up the field in the way that they, they want to, in the way that Luchi Gonzalez likes to see. Uh, and, and that's concerning because we know that, that Luchi Gonzalez you know, his in-game management is usually solid. He's usually able to keep the earthquakes in games, you know, creating chances, maintaining pressure. But it felt like tonight he kind of was running up against a wall. And I know that's due to injuries on the one hand, but it feels like a, a new signing in there could completely, you know, kind of change the, uh, shift the paradigm here for, for, for Luchi Gonzalez and, uh, you know, give him a lot more to work with in these second half situations. Well, and, you know, and still we're kind of debating here is, is it if you get one attacking player, is it more the left wing or is it more, you know, at the at the 10? And the problem is kind of at the 10 is if everyone's healthy, it, it, it there's a little bit more of a crowd. But right now, to your point, you've got two players who are probably your best two options as a 10 who are down. Nico Shakiris who is going to be good, but offers something different, which is not quite what this attack needs. He feels almost duplicative for me for Jackson Yule uh, more than he does like his own uh, player right now in terms of like what we're seeing so far at this progression of, of Nico's career. It's not to say like he can't evolve, you know, into more of a 10 role, but right now he's a little bit more of a dis distribution, you know, box to box eight than he is a, is a 10. And you're kind of asking him to play a, a bit out of position tonight. I felt um, so that's a tough ask, you know, for him to come into the game like that. There's, um, but you also have the production question on the wing, right? And, you know, you want to be able to move Cade Cowell. You know, there's talk from Cade, from Chris Leach, that this might be the opportunity, you know, to move Cade Cowell in this window. Well, this window is is closing, and there really hasn't been a strong rumor. You know, there's been maybe some speculation, but not a strong rumor around Cade. Um, and so even if you bring in another player, what does that mean? Now, Cade's going to go to the bench. Um, you know, I think there's some interesting kind of questions around this. That said, you know, some hope is on the horizon. Season ticket holder event this past week. We had some great reporting out of there in our patron slack from from patrons who were in attendance. And they mentioned that, you know, Chris Leach sounded very optimistic. Signings are going to be coming. There will be. Uh, and 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 I think the the specific words were uh, attacking. I'm trying to remember the pieces, exact phrase. Attacking, attacking pieces. pieces was the words that were put into the patron slack. Um, so, so that's you know, not take, that's not a player. That for what it's worth. He said attacking yes. pieces. He didn't say attacking player. That could mean that, that's right. New that's boots right. for Jeremy Abosi or, or new that's, boots for Christian Espinosa or a new haircut or something like that. That's right. And then tonight I tried to see if I could you know get some information and, and everyone, you know, the front office will be happy to know is very, very tight lipped and giving me absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, but it seems to also kind of a little bit uh, get that indication of attacking pieces. But again, I go back to you've got pieces also. So what happens with those pieces? What happens to Cade Cowell? What happens to Jamiro Montero? What happens to now a blossoming Jack Skane who, you know, 
hopefully would be back uh, to bring some of that energy. Um, you know, what does that mean? Because you're not taking you're not taking off Christian Espinoza. You maybe are going to give some competition to Jeremy Obobese. I think that could be really interesting to give us some different look at the nine and and be able to have options at the nine and 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 see if you can you know make a run because he hasn't scored in a few games and you know he's even you know tonight you know potentially uh, picked up a bit of a knock. So would I, I? I'm just I'm just intrigued more than anything else. I'm intrigued about what attacking options is going to mean, but. But from what I can tell, there's we can't expect moves before the end of the window. And and I think that you're 100 percent right here to highlight, Jamin, that not only are we watching out for, you know, new additions, but also for the players they're moving out. Because it is pretty clear at this point they have a few guys on the roster who could be good trading pieces. It's pretty clear that Benji Kakanovich, uh, you know, ha- could have a brighter future at a different club in Major League Soccer and could be a piece to trade to open up some spot that would make another addition at the left wing, make even more sense. Uh, you could have, you know, guys like JT Marcinkowski, who's second in goal right now, be traded. You can, you can look at different pieces they can move out in order to, uh, to make a space happen for a, a trade as well. And, you know, Jamie, you talk about Cade Cowell, you know, potentially moving abroad. I think the solution here is for the earthquakes front office to, to start some more leaks. I know leaks were uh, one of the, uh, hot topics at the season ticket holder event last night in the earthquakes, priding themselves in the lack of leaks uh, in regards to transfer rumors. But this this feels like a situation where drumming up some some business for Cade Cowell uh, could could be a could be a you know sort of mutually beneficial uh, business here. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and, and again, it you know he he did show well in these international tournaments. That's what you wanted. That's why you let him play in these international tournaments. And, you know, Lucci bemoaned not having Cade Cowell for uh, much of the season because of these international tournaments. But he also, you know, said, hey, look, this is what's necessary. This is what's necessary for Cade. And you would think that his confidence got a boost. I thought he, you know, was a big shot in the arm coming off the bench. And you and I can say it to her blue in the face, but maybe the best role for Cade is to come off the bench. And, maybe featuring him as that kind of energy coming off the bench would give a European team a better idea of how they may want to use him. The chance that Kate Cowell is going to walk off the earthquakes and go straight into a big five team and start is like that big, right? He is going to be a bench player. Why not give the opportunity to, for him to showcase in the best possible way what he looks like coming off the bench. I think the issue with that right now is they're very thin at left wing in terms of production. Benji hasn't been the answer this season that he was last season. Uh, you know, uh, Buddha has shown promise for quakes too, but hasn't really yet uh, been showing it with the first team, at least not this season. He had a little bit last season, but not so far this season, you know, Jack Skane's the only one who's looked, you know, pretty good over there, but he's actually been better as a central creator you know, than he has necessarily as a left winger. So for me, there's just like, I'd like to see another starter over there. And I'd like to see Cade bring that energy off the bench and see kind of what happens. That's what I I would like to see. I 100% buy that argument for why the Quakes need need a left winger. I think you can make a solid argument for why the Quakes need a number 10 as well. Jamie, do you think there's an argument for San Jose bringing in another number nine? Because I've seen a few comments here in the chat that are, 
maybe questioning whether Jeremy Bobasi can get it done on his own, but whether having another center forward who can come in, give them another option, another look up top, another skill set up top could benefit this team. I think we saw Jeremy Obobese get himself in some good spots today, but struggle a little bit with that production in, in, in his first touch, let him down a few times uh, and, and you know struggle to really make those chances count. Is having two strikers who, you know, at any given time, you know, one of them can be on form and hot and have the hot hand be helpful for the Quakes. Because right now I think you have seen Jeremy Obobese sometimes drift in and out of form and 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 that can hurt this team that doesn't have a ton of goal scorers in the in the roster right now yeah i i do think they need another one um I, and i agree with freddie you need a nine with different characteristics and what jeremy abobasi brings you need someone who can come on and bring some energy at the end of the game maybe someone who can be a little bit more physical in the air look quakes fans are going to pine for somebody you know, like the players from the 2012 team, right? They're they're going to to look for that magic uh, that uh, that those players were able able to to bring. And you're going to think of like we need that classic number nine. I think you've even even mentioned that on the show, Alex. So, absolutely, does there need to be somebody as a nine with different characteristics than Jeremy Abobasi to give teams a different look, to push them at the end of games, to bring some energy off the bench, even if you keep Abobasi as a starter? The answer is a very clear yes, they need another nine. I don't think there's any question at all about it. I think the fans agree with you here as well, Jamin. Jamin, the, the one other open question I have about this starting lineup is that center back spot. Jonathan Mensah, once again on the bench. Tanner Beeson seems to have reclaimed that starting position. Uh, you see him make a huge block there in that second half to, to keep the game close maybe also have some miscommunications with Rodriguez and with Carlos Guerrero in the midfield. And in Portland, we're able to get a lot of balls in zone 14 in dangerous areas and have good chances, high quality chances from there. So it seems that while he makes some good blocks and is, is good kind of uh, last ditch defending some of the preventative positioning and communication skills might be lacking a little bit. Jonathan Mensa, would would he be an upgrade there? Is there is there something going on behind the scenes with Jonathan Mensa? Because this this is not the the trajectory we were expecting his season to take. Given the way he stepped into this starting lineup at the beginning of the season with leadership and uh, with with confidence and with poise, it's it's it feels weird and jarring to see him completely out of the picture now. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And you know, while we're hearing attacking pieces. You know, you're not what you're not hearing in there is, oh, and we, we're going to need to go out and get another center back. Right. Um, so one of these guys has to be the answer. And it's hard to say that they've both made a clear cut case for themselves because there have been times when either one of them have looked like the answer. And there have been many times where neither of them look like the answer. And I think the issue is that there's too much of a question mark for me for a team that is now not borderline on the playoffs, but certainly, you know, if they slip further, it's going to be uh, a bit uh, nervy uh, going through the end of the season uh, in terms of playoff position. They're going to need to come out strong, starting with on the road in Vancouver, hoping to be there myself, thanks to our patrons. And they need to come out in Vancouver on August 20th, all, you know, firing on all cylinders, new signings in, 
you know, hopefully physically fit, ready to go for that first game. And you want to come in against a Vancouver team that's already going to be reeling from losing uh, Julian Gressel. And we'll see if they can make another signing to make that kind of replacement. But he's been one of their best players, if not their best player at times this season. And, you know, the Quakes need to be able to go on the road and, and start to get some points. So, you know, whatever at this point will give them that energy to be able to go in uh, on August 20th uh, on the road and begin this home, this final stretch. I say home stretch, this final stretch of the season. Um, Jamin, you want them to be able to do. Jamin, August 20th is so far away. In between now and August 20th, we get to look forward to the Women's World I mean, Cup, watching the U.S. women's team. When we get to look forward to Lionel Messi carrying Inter-Miami to a dramatic League's Cup, unexpected League Cup victory. There's, there's an entire lifetime of soccer to be played in between now and August 20th. Uh, and uh, so it, it, it feels a, a, a little uh, premature to be thinking about that August 20th Vancouver game uh, already. I don't I don't want to think about any more games on artificial turf for, for a long time. This this game has me fed up with the, uh, the artificial turf situation in Major League Soccer. Um, with that said, Jamin, we're, we're nearing the hour mark now. So uh, before we wrap around to our final thoughts, I want to give a shout out to uh, all the uh, wonderful Quakes Epicenter patrons that we have uh, and uh, want to uh, recommend anyone if they like the work we're doing here at the show, if you like the uh, work we're doing online at Quakes Epicenter uh, with all of our articles and uh, uh, social media, then please consider uh, subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, that's the reason we're able to have Jamin Moore travel to the game in Portland at Providence Park tonight. We that's the reason we're able to have him going up for that Vancouver game. Uh, also, I had a patron give me a ride, which was fun. Uh, we had we had a lot of fun and, and got to talk a lot of cool stuff on the way in. So a big shout out to Lucci uh, with Gucci uh, from the uh, from the Gucci with Lucci. It's Gucci with Gucci with Lucci. Sorry, Luke, Gucci with Lucci. I, I, I don't Luke, know if you want Lucci with Gucci would be very fun. I'd love to see Lucci Gonzalez in some Gucci on the touchline, Jamin. Yeah, I don't know if he's uh, hiding his uh, his real name there, so I, I won't mention it on the air. But uh, but got a got a ride with with him and uh, his partner tonight, and uh, we had a great time here. And that's what you're getting when you're joining the Quakes Epicenter Patreon, Jamin. It's not just a ride with Jamin. <laughs> Not just that you're able uh, to support the work that we do and make this happen, but also that you're able to join an amazing community of Quakes fans within that patron Slack. Up to, I think, 120 plus Quakes fans on there right now. Everyone's saying uh, it's the new Twitter. Why do you need Twitter? Why do you need spaces? Why do you need blue sky? Uh, why do you need threads when you can just join? Oh, the, the I, Quakes I, I have all of them, but you know. <laughs> And then on the patron Slack, you can uh, learn everyone's handles as well. You can keep track of uh, everyone uh, in all the new social media platforms that they're right. on, Jamin. So with that said, I want to circle back now to the final thoughts here, Jamin. What are your big takeaways from this game? Uh, what was your League's Cup experience, a new competition uh, for the San Jose Earthquakes, a new trophy that they could theoretically win Uh how far off do you think they are? What year do you think they're they're able to set their sights on? Is it the, the, the 2024 Leagues Cup? Is it the 2025 Leagues Cup? When do you think it's a realistic goal for them? Well, I think I think the Quakes have been building through each window. I, I do want to give Chris Leach credit because I think it's due. Um, if you remember, you know, last the last uh, year's window, there were some pretty significant signings, and we might have kind of poo-pooed them a little bit at, at the time. 
um, as not being big signings, but all of them have proven to be big signings from that window. You had Arriquez come in, you know, on a loan. You had Acapo. You had Gruezo. Um, you know, very clearly, each of those three players have had a huge impact. And then in the offseason, uh, you had, uh, you know, Daniel come in. Um, you had, uh, I'm just, you know, help me out here, Alex. Just look, my, my brain's a little bit mush right now. But Did you say Trauco? Um, uh, well, Trauco came in in the, uh, in the previous window, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about this past offseason. Oh, Grezzo. How can I forget Grezzo? A, a designated player come in. I think he's been very key for this team so far this season. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jonathan Mensa, who did, was a big spark at the beginning of the season, even if he's fallen off more recently and, you know, coming in in a, in a, in a pinch to be able to get a starting quality center back is difficult to do. And, uh, you know, certainly if nothing else, it's brought some competition to the position and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, you, we can see him come back into form, uh, you know, by the playoffs and, uh, really help this team, uh, you know, in the playoff push, because that defense is going to be critically important. Right. So, you know, every window, it feels that there has been more building and more building to where this team needs to be. It wouldn't shock me if 2024 starts to become a good year for a tournament like the Open Cup uh, to have a bit more of that that depth that's necessary to compete or be able to do more in a in a league's cup. And by the way, um, the reason they're playing on the road for people who asked earlier, like, why are they on the road in Portland? Is because Portland had a better record last season. So if you want to get a league's cup home game against the MLS club, you need to finish in the top part of the table. It's that simple. So first off, finish off this season strong, get a top six spot, and you will get a home game for the next League's Cup, and then also the home game against the Liga Meki side. And that will set this team up potentially for a run. That's the important thing. Get the home games. Uh, as long as they don't have to play on the road at Providence Park against the Portland Timbers, that's a, a, a curse that the Earthquakes have yet to shake off. I don't think they have ever won. Am I, am I correct in saying they have never won uh, a competitive game at Providence Park, Jamin, in, in a they decade They have never now? won... They are now 0 and 15 and 4, I believe it is, at Providence Park all time. It is obviously the worst away stadium for the earthquakes to play in. And you saw why. The, the turf tonight, you know, is, is, is hated, despised um, by Quakes fans and, and absolutely should be. Damon, we probably could have just led with that and wrapped up this conversation in the first uh, 10 minutes here. Earthquakes have historically struggled at Providence Park. Nothing changed about that uh, tonight. And uh, I'm going to be skeptical of this League's Cup format if it keeps sending them there. But uh, I agree, Jamin. If they're able to get a top spot, if they're able to, uh, you know, uh, secure more home games, play different uh, rivals, I, I can get that League's Cup buy-in. And I'm really, really curious to see next week how that game against Tigres goes, what that atmosphere is like at PayPal Park. And I'm expecting a good one. I'm expecting an intense game in that one. And back on grass, I think the Earthquakes have a better job of putting up a, a fight for that. The, the one piece I'm worried about maybe that we didn't talk about, but I want to try to slide in here is, is that midfield pairing with Carlos Grezzo and Jackson Ewell. Because I do think we're seeing them maybe get a little bit tired at this phase of the season, particularly yeah. Carlos Grezzo, because Carlos Grezzo has been playing nonstop soccer for essentially 18 months. He's gone straight from uh, playing in Germany through the World Cup, through Major League Soccer season, and he has not slowed down. And maybe, just maybe, we're starting to see 
a little, little bit of fatigue from him. And that's why Portland were able to get so many chances in that, that zone 14. It's not just an issue with Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez in the back lines communication. It's also an issue with that midfield and, and with the, uh, the amount of work that Carlos Grezzo and Jackson, you are able to, to give to this team and, and with the, uh, the positioning there uh, that they've had. So yeah. with that said, it's a, a tough loss for the earthquakes tonight. I think it's made worse by those two injuries to Jack Skein and Christian Espinosa, but maybe not quite a knockout blow. I think they're on the ropes right now, Jamin, but, but they still have a possibility of advancing to this next round of the, the league's cup. All eyes will be on that game uh, between Tigres and Portland Wednesday to understand exactly what the situation is uh, for the earthquakes heading into next Sunday's game. So Jamin, with that said, it has been a pleasure to join you tonight to talk through this one. Uh, really want to uh, give a shout out to everyone who has stuck around with us uh, for this one and who's been uh, uh, contributing to this conversation with your comments uh, in the, the comments section. Uh, we appreciate all of you, and we will see you next time uh, after the San Jose Earthquakes League Cup game against Tigres. Have a good night, everyone.